I'm Tabitha Rock. And I'm Sam Davenport. Born and bred in Melbourne, we live and breathe property, and we know the Melbourne market like the back of our hand. We've both been buying and selling real estate in Metro Melbourne for over two decades combined, and we've learned a few lessons along the way. Sam, welcome back. Tabitha Rob. <laughs> we're here, here we are. are. <laughs> Having another chin wag on mic, which is totally unnatural for us, but we're giving it a red hot crack. Yeah, the Prop Culture Podcast. Yeah. Coming at you. Hard and baby. fast. Exactly. But what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about one of the critical initial conversations mm-hmm. that we have with our clients. So as soon as they come in to see us and, you know, the first phone call, the first catch up, whenever that might be, our first question um, to these clients is always going to start with um, the driving factors for buying property. Why are you doing it? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. What are your goals? What are your property purchasing goals? What are you trying to achieve in buying the property? Um, and why? Why have we come to us? And goals not just for the next 12 months, goals for the next five to seven to 10 years. Um, that's the critical factor. Exactly. And there's so many reasons why people buy and sell real estate. The sort of core reasons why people would transact property in general is obviously, as it's always been, births, deaths, divorce and marriage. Mm -hmm. And they still are those sort of key driving factors for property purchasing. Um, But figuring out with a client exactly why they need to buy property is going to help us sort of set the stage for what we're going to buy and where, which is sort of those next steps once you've worked out your why. Yeah. And people should be doing this by themselves. They should be sort of thinking about, okay, you know, am I buying the first property with my partner? We're planning on getting engaged and getting married. And shortly after marriage comes kids. And so, you know, if you're thinking about owning your property for, well, we suggest sort of minimum five years to see some appreciation because transacting real estate is not cheap. Um, those, that little stamp duty cost and selling costs. Um, but yeah, you've got to like forecast your life and think about what's going to go on and think about different things. Like, are you into renovating? Is that what you want to do? Or do you not want to lift a finger? Um, yeah, exactly. These are important things for people to think about. I mean, we're really pro renovations and pro spending some money on your property to manufacture growth. But I like some people aren't into that and that's fine as well. But working out your why is just going to help you sort of set set up your search. Like you find how often do we meet with people who've been, they say, oh, we've been looking for a year or we've been looking for two years. Have you? Why? What happened? Yeah. Where did it all go wrong? Yeah. You know, like we obviously work with clients generally on an average time frame of like 30 to 90 days, depending on how picky they are, of yeah. course. But working out their why and setting that stage right from the start is obviously so critical in just getting us into a position where when we see the right property, we're buying it. Yeah. I think when we were selling real estate in Richmond, we saw this go wrong for so many couples all the time. We would sell them this gorgeous little single-fronted Victorian two bedrooms and then within two years they've outgrown that. Um, and they just didn't sort of think about, okay, what are the goals for the next five to seven years? What are we doing here? Why are we buying this sort of thing? Because sometimes, you know, often people say, oh, don't buy apartments or, but sometimes, you know, that is the right thing 
to purchase for their goals. Like yeah. if they want to buy a country place and have an inner city pad that they can just put up on Airbnb and then be at this place during the week or on the weekends, then maybe, you know, buying that apartment, just making sure it's a good one, yeah. is the right option for them yeah. in terms of their goals. Absolutely. I mean, it's so funny because as selling agents, obviously, we used to love getting that call from that sweet young couple that you sold the, you know, tiny little two-bedroom um, single front of Victorian to 18 months prior. Yeah. You know, that was so lovely on auction day and, you yeah. know, you've kept in touch with them since and literally within two years they're like, uh, we're pregnant. Yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Wasn't yeah. that the plan? You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then the transaction costs, of course, like obviously in Richmond and over, you know, we've obviously back then, we were, that's 15 years ago now, every year, year on year, we saw capital growth in yeah. property. So oftentimes they were lucky that they had seen enough enough growth to recoup their um, purchasing costs but barely making anything on the other end of it, you mm. know, and then now they've got to get back in the market and the stress of, you know, going back through the process again when they could have avoided it by just getting that sort of longer-term property from the get-go. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, working out what your property purchasing goals are, you know, putting yourself into a category. I mean, some of the reason, you know, some of the things could be you're looking to escape the rental market. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been renting in a city, Melbourne, you love it there, you want to stay there, but you also want to paint your wall hot pink. Yeah. You know, and you don't want your landlord to tell you you can't. You want to put some beautiful curtains up. Mind you, I've always done that in my rentals. Um, <laughs> you can definitely do that. Just ask, ask for forgiveness, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just patch the wall afterwards. Yeah. No, but I – and also I think nowadays people are so worried about their rent going up at the drop yeah. of a hat. So that's yeah. why they want to get out of the rental market. The rental market is insane at the moment. I mean, not only the competition, like once you find something that you like, mm. so there's your first barrier, you know, there's a lot of low quality property out there for rent that's had little to no maintenance done oh. on it over the years. So they're just really tired and really sort of drab. On that, I love that guy on Instagram, Purple Pingers or whatever. Oh, yeah. Shout out. He just goes to some absolutely tragic yeah, rental yeah, yeah. properties. Yeah. But like I digress. Literally two years ago, whatever was being rented for four ninety five or five hundred a week is now getting closer to six fifty oh, a yeah. week. And that's in, you know, 18 months, two years. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to get out of the rental market and you want to buy property within that area that you're currently living, you want to buy your lifestyle location, you're not necessarily perhaps focused on capital growth potential. So you would be, as we said before, a candidate for these, you know, apartments, which are going to achieve as much capital growth as you can get, which is obviously going to look more like a 1970s low density walk-up block with outdoor area, off-street car parking, you know, ticking all of these boxes, nice quiet residential street. Yeah. You know, we're not buying, ideally guys, not <laughs> buying in, you know, high Massive. density, you know, 17-storey brand new buildings with seven lifts and pools and gyms and high body corporate fees and you know, fraught with danger. Yeah. So, but even that conversation, okay, you want to get out of the rental market, cool, you want to stay in the area, great, that's not going to have that much capital growth. Are you buying this literally just to get out of the rental market or actually to build a bit of wealth um, in your real estate? Mm. And because if that is part of the goal and part of the why and part of the reason you're putting that big deposit down, mm. you know, 
that might not be the right option. So exactly. you've just got to flesh out all these questions. Yeah, but answering that question to yourself of, um, you know, why am I wanting to get out of the rental market? Is it purely because I want stability, housing stability mm. in my ideal location? Um, in which case, obviously, your search is already starting to take shape in that you're an apartment buyer in the area you're currently living in. Um, but if when you start asking yourself those questions and you start thinking, oh, maybe if I am going to be putting down all of this money, it should be more for capital growth purposes, mm -hmm. then you're starting to take shape in a different form. So yeah. you're already in a position where you're a little bit more informed about why you're buying property and what you're doing. Yeah. I think as part of that conversation, if you're thinking about buying an apartment, do you know about body corporates? Like thinking about the questions around, am I happy to be part of a body corporate? What does that look like? You know, because you'll be involved in that body corporate for the next five years or however long you're owning that property. Can you be bothered? Do you want that in your life? Like these are all questions you've got to be asking yourself. And if it's a no, then you've got to look further out for a house. But another really common driving factor for purchasing property and something that, I mean, we obviously we deal with clients of all spectrum, on all, all spectrums, but um, a huge driving force for moving, young families moving mm. um, and wanting to really solidify themselves in certain areas is to get within certain school zones. Yeah. Um, so across Melbourne, you know, there's little hotspots around all mm -hmm. around Melbourne in all different areas where you've got, you know, certain, um, schools, which are drawing a huge crowd, always public schools, yeah. um, which are drawing a huge crowd. You obviously need to be, or ideally need to be within that zone, living within that zone, either renting or owning, but that driving force for a purchase is again, obviously very clearly shaping your search, shaping the start of your search where you're a location specific buyer. Yeah. Because it's that conversation, accommodation versus location. So if you need in that location and you're only working with a certain budget, yeah, then this is the type of property you're getting. So you might be sacrificing exactly. a second living space or oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. bedroom or something. Yeah, exactly right. And that's that's exactly it. So working out, obviously, you know you're looking to buy within an ideal school zone. You ideally have already obviously spoken to your mortgage broker or your bank and you've worked out roughly what your budget's going to be. Um, you are you're, what you're able to purchase is going to be guided by what is what sells in that market. Mm -hmm. So you know if you're needing to get into the McKinnon school zone and you've got 1.5 to spend, this is what you're going to be looking at buying. Yeah, you know, here's four examples of recently sold property under yeah. 1.5, and this is what it looks like. I think also so many people come to us and they're like, "Oh, where should I buy? I've got 800,000, or I've got two million dollars. Like, where should I buy?" And it's like, hang on a second. Are you living in this property? Because if you're living in it, you've got to consider other things like where's work, where's your community, where's your family, where's, you know, it's not just like where do I spend this amount of money? You've got to take into consideration other things. Like if you're working up in town and you're thinking about buying down in Frankston, like are you comfortable with that commute? Go and do that commute. The number of people who will say to us, oh, well, we currently live in South Yarra, but we're thinking of buying in Ferntree Gully. And you're like, okay, let's uh, send you on a bit of an expedition, shall yeah. we? I'm going to send you out to Ferntree Gully. You need to go and get an Airbnb for two nights on a weekend next month. Go and spend some time there. Explore the area. Outside of that, I also want you on a Monday morning to come in and do the commute mm -hmm. and on also the Friday afternoon, head out there. 
see how you go. Yeah. Because sometimes what, you know, you're driving out there on a Saturday morning to look at a property that's for sale. There's no one on the roads going out there. Yeah. But on a Friday afternoon, it is gridlock. Oh, yeah. And on a Monday morning, it is mayhem. So, you know, to get an understanding of whether or not you're comfortable with that, that takes a little bit more time than just sort of picking a spot on the map because that's where you think you can afford what you want. Yeah. I think that was such a good tip, Sam, to get oh. an Airbnb. I know. Kurtos. Oh, yeah, actually that's Tabitha's tip. I know. She, that's, totally she actually she... normally tells us that tip. I just stole it. We just, it's interchangeable. Yes, we yeah. are interchangeable. Um, But like I had clients years ago that thought they wanted to be out in Surrey Hills. Mm. They got an Airbnb out there and quickly decided that was not for them. They weren't Airbnbing in central Surrey Hills, I must admit. Um, yeah, we love Surrey Hills. Yeah, Surrey Hills a vibe. Yeah. Um, that cute Village little vibe. Bar. Mm, exactly. In the hills. The hills. I mean, yeah. Surrey Hills. It's a yeah, cute yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll take it. Um, but... Yeah, that's such a good way to find out if you're into a suburb. Oh, I've got another good hot tip, but go on. No, I might leave it for no. You might you might forget it. No, say it while you've got it. No, I'm dangling. Okay, dangle it. Dangle it. Yeah. Okay. Another. There's two more like major driving factors for buying property, which we'll cover: upsizing and downsizing. Yeah. Now, when you're a family who's in a position or a couple or whoever you are, a single what with 17 cats, whatever you want to be in life, <laughs> when you're working out your property purchasing goals and you're needing to upsize, you know you need more space, you're currently living in a property that's no longer serving its purpose, you're busting out the, out the doors and you need more space, what you want to be thinking about with with um, your property purchasing goal from an upsizing perspective is what are we looking to achieve for the next block of time? So hypothetically, well, this is a really common one that we see is that people with very young children are you know looking to get into that school zone. And then once they're in that school zone, they stay there for their primary school years. Mm-hmm. But then once those kids are now coming into that early teenagehood, and you're sort of set, you're looking at a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old and a really feisty 14-year-old and you're thinking, <laughs> we're going to need some more space here, you know, and maybe some separation in the living zones. Mm. Um, so your purchasing goal is something that's going to see you through ideally the next step phase of life, which is those 10 years in teenagehood where you need separation separation of church and state. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we need a teenage retreat or a parent's retreat or something like that. Mm-hmm. So really understanding why you're looking to upsize and exactly what that property is going to need to give you is going to help you from making some compromises once you start getting into the market. So yeah. refocusing back on the why. No, I was just going to mention something on either the upsizing or the downsizing because typically we find that they'll own the property so they'll need to sell um, whether you're upsizing or downsizing and getting really comfortable and clear on whether you want to sell first or buy first. And that question I think changes or the answer to that question changes a little bit depending on market conditions but I think it really you need to assess your risk appetite when you're considering like upsizing and you've got this smaller property. Okay. Are we selling that first to understand what's in our pocket to be able to buy the next one? Or are we only moving when we found that perfect property? Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, big one, big one, big one. Chicken or the egg. I know. Look, 
I mean, I'm a risky kind of gal, but I'm pretty sure I'd be selling first knowing what's in my Absolutely. pocket. Absolutely. Renting for 12 months, like people. It's not that big a deal. Oh, my gosh. They really get stressed about renting, taking a moment and breaking that lease if they find something. Like mm. that is such a viable, great option. People think that there's huge amounts of costs involved when you break a rental lease. Oh, my gosh. No, there's not. It's the funniest thing, breaking lease. I don't know where and how. They've got such great PR for breaking a lease. You yeah. know, like fear-mongering. Yeah, it's really like, oh, my God, you could never, you know, but it's not a big deal. No. Literally and particularly, obviously, it's a pretty dependent on where the property is, but we're assuming you're all in Melbourne, you know, best best city in all the world. Out. Have we got that Hundreds back? of thousands of listeners. we see you but you know wherever your property is that you're leasing you know when you went to rent that property I'm going to guarantee there was more than one application on the table you know you hold an open for inspection or obviously the agent holds an open for inspection whilst you're still there present it nicely sometimes they open it themselves when you break a lease oh not with good agents no I don't know well some maybe rogue ones in the outer suburbs yeah, yeah yeah I've actually never broken a lease Oh, I have many times. Yeah, but I just move out at the end of my tenancy. Yeah, I like to find a better property before I move. So I don't, I, yeah. you know, and then and then I'll just break my lease if I'm ready to go. But, but anyway. Just, anyway. Anyway. We went well off track there. But um, <laughs> the point, the moral of the story is typically our advice, although it's all dependent on the person, would be to sell the property you're in go rent for 12 months and then calmly buy the next. Yeah, but sell the property that you're in on as long a settlement as is possible. Mm-hmm. So when you're selling and this is where, you know, this these conversations around property, uh, there's rabbit holes. Oh, my gosh. And you go on forever because talking about, um, you know, selling, obviously, mm-hmm. which we can, we'll talk about vendor advocacy another day, but... Um, the agent is obviously going to want you as the vendor to be as flexible as possible on what your settlement terms you're prepared to offer the market Mm -hmm. so that they can capture more buyers. However, you are the owner of the house. Mm -hmm. You are in control. It is your choice and you can specify what you want and need. And again, I would mostly guarantee that most people will bend and flex in order to secure the property. Mm-hmm. So you can stand strong on your settlement. Unless you've bought a shit property and it's on a main road and well, no one wants yeah. it. But yeah, well, I don't like saying shit property. Yeah, true, true, true. Because, you know, some people, you know and what, actually? actually <laughs> <laughs> there is, look, there are some properties that are actually got main road addresses but they're really good and they're set back and all the rest of it. So, yes, you're right, Sam. Thanks for calling me out, girl. <laughs> Keeping me honest. But do you know what, to be honest, and this is what, when when we were selling in Richmond, I used to always say this whenever I was trying to get a listing on a main road. My dad's house when I was growing up was on Hoddle Street East Melbourne. And they doubled their money on that property. You know, they, they bought a massive old, really dilapidated really, when I think back to it, old style, you know, brick house on Hoddle Street. I never once went through that front door. Yeah, but you know, girl, that's also East Melbourne. I know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're in, that's a different postcode. I'm not actually a rich girl, well, sort of. <laughs> um, um, just sounds got like rich a, girl mindsets. Yes, exactly. So, okay, back to setting your reasons for why you'd be buying property. So, obviously, we've covered upsizing, we've covered 
um, that you want to get out of the rental market, that you want wealth creation, lifestyle location, ideal school zone, and then the last one obviously being downsizing. Downsizers, this is a big move. You know, oftentimes when you're downsizing, you're an empty nester. You know, the kids have flown the coop. Um, you are coming into later stages of life. Big gardens no longer have their appeal because you just don't want to be out there dealing with it on your hands and knees. Mm -hmm. um, stairs no longer have any appeal. You know, you want to start thinking quite long term of what's going to suit you and where you want to be. Location is going to be a huge factor for you because... Where are those grandkids? Where are the grandkids? Where are the grandkids? Um, and if there's no grandkids, you know, do you want to be going to the theatre every Friday? I don't know. What do you want in your life? Mm -hmm. What do you want for your future? Um, but certainly, obviously, making sure you've got primary bedrooms and ensuite bathrooms and, and easy walk-in, you know, driveways where you can go internal access, you know, no stairs, no sort of um, three-level townhouses, things like that, obviously. Yeah. Well, I was just going to tell you a little story about a recent client that Give it to did us. exactly that. Well, they did the right thing. They sold. They rented in a new suburb trying to test it out, kind of like the Airbnb. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I loved these two. Yeah, these two. They were so favorite. cute. No, we don't have favourites. They're, literally they're all our favourites. Yeah, um, some more than others. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but Yeah, apart anyway. from the ones who aren't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they rented in this new suburb, away from the suburb that they'd been in for 20 years, loved it, wanted to stay there found them an amazing downsizer villa mm. unit in the area off market yes, and queen. ticked all those boxes you just mentioned, like mm. internal access of the double lock-up garage and mm -hmm. no stairs and low-maintenance courtyard and, you know, bit daggy and dated because it was built in the 90s but they can put their own touches on but had great heavy curtains because that keeps the heat in. Or out, whatever they Keeps wanted it. to. Yeah, well, both. Yeah, Keeps both. in and out. Um, but that, they were so happy with that yeah. decision. Yeah, And that's yeah. actually a good tip from them, like rent in the area for a year, in a new area if you're changing it up. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one with that concept because obviously historically we get, we get fed a lot of information for buy and sell in the same market, you know. It's critical to do that. You know, you've got to buy and sell in the same market. And if you look at what happened over the last two, three years, you know, if, if you really did sell and then waited 12 months and then tried to get back in the market, you in certain areas saw an increase of, you know, 10, 15% yeah. of property values. But that really, I would like to say that's a bit of an anomaly. Can we yeah. say that now? Now that we've seen, we've come through it. Yeah. If that yes, was an anomaly. Yeah. yeah. We can definitely. You know, there's ups and downs, but real estate is a really long game. Oh my God. Yeah. Preach girl. Preach. People like we're just, out hey, here where just can dropping I... yeah. gold. <laughs> oh my God. At least we find ourselves entertaining. Yeah. Um, no, but being serious, investors are the last one. So if your property purchasing goals is to invest your money in real estate, never live in it. You just want it there making you money. I mean, I think you've got to think about where. So is that Metro Melbourne, regional Victoria, interstate? What are your comfort levels? What are your risk appetite? Like there's so much to consider. Also, are you happy? Do you know what it takes to be a landlord? I thought you were just going to throw out, are you happy? Are you happy? Well, <laughs> that as well. But that's a different. I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're always happy when we're in real estate. Are we? <laughs> Shivers. Maybe we need to get a mindset coach on here or something. Nah, Happiness? we're good. We're good, girl. Okay. Um, but, yeah, investors think about all those sorts of things because investment doesn't necessarily just mean like, oh, I live in Collingwood. I mean, this is what I did and a story for another day, but mm. grew up in Collingwood and then bought my first investment property just down the road because I was comfortable in that area. I knew it, like it felt familiar and felt right. But was that the best investment purchasing decision. From a capital growth perspective only. Negative. It was yeah, not. Exactly. But from a lifestyle location perspective, of course it was a great I know, choice. But I was you know? not going to live in there. So the like yeah. I forgot about thinking through my goals. Yes, exactly. You literally missed step one. Step one. But I was 22. So Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't have the prop culture podcast back then, you know? Girl, I it just, I was just going to say that. We weren't around. I know. We're literally reparenting ourselves, aren't we? Yes. That's we what are. we're doing here. We are, we are. But yeah, so food for thought, property purchasing goals, think about it. Why are you doing it? Are you comfortable with holding this piece of real estate for five to seven years? Does it match what your life looks like in five to seven years as mm. best you can predict? And I think that's the first step of success and the first step we do with our clients. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right, ma Tabitha, you know what it's time for. Talk to me, girl. F, marry, kill. Oh, yeah. Buying for capital growth, <sighs> rent vesting, and owner-occupying in lifestyle location. F, marry, kill. Oh. Oh, my gosh. I know mine no. so easily. Oh, my gosh. I guess, like... Well, rent vesting and buying for capital growth. Obviously, because that's what you do. Yeah, that's personally. what I do. But I don't know which one of those I'm f***ing and which one I'm marrying. Um, I'm definitely killing off that occupying in a lifestyle location because, you know, the girl's got expensive taste <laughs> and she wants primo in the area she's living in. Yeah. So, so what are you going to do? I don't know. You bum, go. Bum. Yeah. <laughs> you tell me. I would definitely kill rent vesting. Yeah. Kill yeah. that. Kill that vibe. It's great for so many people. Not interested. Yeah. I'm not interested personally. I'll do it for you if you're my client and you want that. I ain't interested in dealing with that. I would definitely fuck owner-occupying in lifestyle location. <laughs> And obviously marry buying for capital growth. Yes, Queen. Because we're all about that wealth creation. We are, we are. Love it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Is that what we got to go? Got to go. GTG. <laughs> G no, G2G. Oh, no. Yeah. We're too old MSN. to say that. We're too old. No, don't give ourselves away. Okay. Bye.